Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Uh, we are back in the rugby dungeon for the first of another brace of podcasts looking at the weekend's rugby. This one is all about the Autumn Nations Cup. The internet, well, no, not just that. The uh, it is called the Rugby Championship. No, Tri Nations again. Tri Nations. Sorry, talk about that too. Oh yeah, of course that happened. Yeah, that happened. It's been a busy old weekend, doesn't it? Uh, I'm Tim uh, in the Rugby Dungeon with JB. Hello, Tim. I love the fact what uh, we're in tier three, or we will be by midweek, and um, we're allowed to be together because we're working. We are working bloody hard. It's a beautiful thing. As long as I pay tax on this income that we make from this, it's work, right? Absolutely. Well, it is, legitimately. Uh, and hello down the line from the Egg Chasers TMO shipping container, it's Phil. Hello. Hello, Tim. Hello, JB. Hello, Phil. How are you? Very good, thank you. I've been grafting hard this weekend, doing some gardening, some lift and shift in the garden. In the garden. Yeah. Um, so. Now you know, as um, as so many Twitter accounts like to tell us now, um, if you're going to ask a friend if they're okay, you should you should do it twice. So I'm going to ask you again: Are you okay, Phil? <laughs> you don't trust my first answer. I don't trust your first first answer. Obviously, I need to bully you into telling me you aren't, you're, that you're not okay. I seen you've been, you've been turning to the drink, mate. Negroni. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> a couple of bottles of whiskey. Uh, I, I have bought a couple of bottles of whiskey. I've not. They've not arrived yet, so uh, <laughs> I've not drunk any of them yet. Oh, oh. Uh, Sadly, how is how is your lockdown dr- drinking been, Tim? Are you on a, a steady diet? No, I've, I haven't really done a lot to be honest. The, the drinking for me is not a means in and of itself. It's uh, it's it's part of a. It's part of a social experience. So. I completely agree. I I think people fall into two categories here, don't they? The people that I've stopped drinking almost completely. I mean, mm. I'm desperate for a drink. But actually what that means is I'm desperate for a drink with somebody. Yeah. But not desperate for a drink. Yeah. But then other people, like Phil, who obviously thinks there's a chemical solution to his emotional problems, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just goes overboard. Two bottles of whiskey. Can I just say, I hate the fact that we have this tier system purely because tier two... The only thing I want to think of are amazing trips to Romania or Madrid and things like that. Exactly. And now I think it's more... Or maybe maybe we'll get given a little bit more rations. Maybe we'll be able to see people. I, it's ruined it for me a little bit, so I, I hate that about it. But um, it, you started the podcast 
quite flippantly with that question to Phil, but it's a very poignant and, and I think a legitimate thing to mention after the sad news of Christophe Dominici. This is horrendous, isn't it? It's absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's no exaggeration to say Dominici was one of my favourite players to the point that I bought a France shirt, to the point that I even bought a Stade Francais shirt because of him. Uh, I used to play on the wing. And, you know, he was, uh, well, in my mind uh, at that time, the world's most m- m- most exciting player. And he was so unusual, too, because he had sort of these modern day feats, which you'd expect to see from someone now, that sort of explosivity. And he was smaller, too. You know, he was just an incredible player and he'll be missed deeply and sadly. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible loss. And he's... I, I also spent a lot of time playing on the wing and um, having um, physical attributes that are not too dissimilar to uh, Dominici in my size, not not the the fast feet and explosivity, sadly. Or I was going to um, say, that sounded or, a bit like, yeah, I could have yeah. been, uh, been a star. No, or the international no, caps. <laughs> he's about the same height and weight as me. That's, that's about where the, um, the, the similarities end. But he was... Uh, he booked the trend because yeah. he came in that era where Lomu was, and he, he played directly against Lomu, uh, most famously in that 99 uh, World Cup semi-final. And he was the, the total opposite physically of Lomu. And it was it was brilliant to see, actually, from someone, um, obviously a lot younger than him, but um, someone trying to um, play competitive senior rugby um, when it was often thought of as being the land of giants and he showed it was not simply the land of giants. He, he was an incredible player. I I never played really on the wing except in training and I still loved him as well. Just want to contribute well, that. <laughs> you, sorry, you did play on the wing but you just happened to be picked at hooker. Oh, well, back, back row mostly in the back row. Wide hanging back row. But I'd echo everything you said. A really exciting, enigmatic classically French flair player who gave uh, the rugby world some amazing moments but as we've learned was clearly a very very fragile individual in other ways yeah yeah which is uh, most sad indeed indeed um so yeah RIP yeah and um it is JB your question at the start while a little bit flippant it is important to to actually genuinely find out how people are doing whether they want to talk about it or not is their prerogative but just making sure everyone is okay and this is why rugby this is why rugby clubs and club houses are of so much value yeah of so much and and to have been without them for the amount of time we have it's uh, it has a real tangible effect and um just in so many other ways, uh, and, in, and for so many other reasons, these clubhouses need to open up. You need to give people a sense of meaning in life, an opportunity to to uh, get emotions spent in other ways, physically, uh, to actually share some uh, time with other human beings. So just get bloody rugby clubs open. Yeah, quite. Anyway. Well, we did have some rugby. Yeah, we did. I mean, we are allowed some rugby, so that <laughs> happened. Um well, yes, we should. well, hang on. Let's go. I mean, let's. I was going to say let's go through the games, but let's actually go through the big talking point, which is although we've got rugby, no one seems to be enjoying it. This is in. This is really weird. You're right. I can't put my finger on it. I said this last week. I don't know whether it's the crowds, but I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of not loving it as much as I do. I still don't know if it's the crowds. I think. I think I am split. It's a. Uh, 
it, I don't know where on the continuum it falls, but some proportion of any lack of enjoyment is down to the lack of crowd, and some of it is down to the style of rugby that is being played a lot. Yeah. So I like to explain away things, and kicking would be one of the ones. So I often think that if people whinge about kicking, it's because they don't understand the game and what is trying to be achieved. And An example of this, I was talking to Sausage Legs, who's no longer called Sausage Legs, sadly, but Mark Atkinson, uh, before I did a podcast with him uh, about two years ago. By the way, has, uh, has um, what's his face? Uh, oh, God, uh, Northampton number eight, Rasta Dreadlock. Um, yes, oh, Tamana is Harrison, has, has he Tamana. changed his Twitter handle as well? I think he has. Actually. Oh, this is outrageous. Yeah, yeah. Sausage Legs 10 is not Sausage Legs 10 anymore. Anyway, Mark Atkinson, 12 underscore, I think his uh, Twitter he, handle is. Yeah, and he... Boring. He bought Dull. Um, and he just started, we just started, before the podcast, having a bit, bit of a talk about um, kicking. And he explained it wonderfully. And I thought, you know, if everyone could explain kicking in, in that way, why people do it, particularly the box kick, what advantage it it gives you so on and so forth then i think it'd be a lot more accepted but even with my propensities want to explain things away i'm struggling to avoid the fact that there seems to be more kicking i don't know if this is statistically bore out or not but to me it does feel like this week in particular has been more boring and i hate to say that because i don't want to be the guy who says rugby is boring I think the other thing that we've got... Well, yeah, we love the game. We, we spend, yeah. <laughs> we spend I, several hours every week just sitting jabbering away. Yes, quite. I wonder as well if there's a case of we were so excited to have it back, we papered over the cracks. And now that, that excitement is starting to wear off a little bit, we are refocusing our more critical sides and saying, well, maybe what we're having as a product isn't that good. And then we've got to discuss why. Yeah. Now... So I am of the mind that um, there has been more kicking, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere rugby, perhaps less so in the Southern Hemisphere rugby since restart. Uh, Actually, sorry, I I will reframe that. Um, There has been duller games in the Northern Hemisphere. There has been a lot of kicking. I'm not 100% certain whether there's been more kicking. However, I do think there has been more aimless kicking Mm. and... I think I've really observed something that um, JB, your brilliant in- interview with uh, Rob Baxter, yes. Um, yes, pointed pointed me in the direction of, um, which is something we've been aware of for a long time. And it's not necessarily the kicking, but it's it's the point around earning the right to do something. And if if you um, do something incredibly well. Any team can stop you from doing that, but they're going to compromise other things. And those two points, I think, are prevalent in this. And it's the the fact that teams are kicking when they've not earned the right to kick. And by that, I mean they've not threatened to run. So if you're kicking from deep, you've not threatened the option to run. Therefore, you've got, say, three or four people in, in the backfield, and you've not earned it by sucking players in, by doing the hard yards and driving malls, um, and pick and goes and all the rest of it. So you've not earned the right to kick. And then it's made worse by poor execution, both in the delivery of the kick and the chase of the kick. So all of that seems to have contributed to duller games of rugby without necessarily more kicking, but just worse kicking overall. I think that's does fair. That, does all that make sense? Yeah, it does feel. I, I, I would. Uh, J, once one thing JB mentioned, which um, so I'm not I'm not going to steal it and uh, claim it as my it. own. 
But I, th- <laughs> I think JB had a really good point when we were nattering earlier about the New Zealand Aotearoa tournament when, when those new laws came in, which have now been adopted. And we did warn at the time, always beware the unintended consequences. And I think we are seeing the unintended consequences of making the defensive team have more opportunity for turnovers at the breakdown because it just becomes a ri- the risk-reward balance has just been skewed. Yes, we used to get annoyed about phase, 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 phase with no opportunity for a turnover, but I think we're seeing... I think we'd kill for it now. If, yeah, if you, if, you, <laughs> if you turn the dial too much the other way and make it so actually the reward is not worth the risk because you're just going to get turned over in your own half... Uh, I think that I think that's what we're seeing, and I, I don't know what you do except tweak the interpretation of the law again. Yeah, well, this is the problem, and you, know, you see it, don't you, in um, conservation and food chain management and, and whatever it is. So you think, oh, well, you know, we can't have the cattle being eaten by wolves. Let's kill all the wolves, and then before you know it, you know, all, like squirrels are eating all, all of your crops. Oh, well, in that case, we'll kill all the squirrels, and then before you know it, something else happens. So every time that you move a step, something some, something else happens. Maybe when Otteroa played these rules, they were playing these rules with the tactical mouse which they learnt from the old rules. And no relegation, or the, the stakes were... Re- I mean, yeah, they wanted to win, but the stakes were relatively low, relatively speaking. Yeah. Fast forward... And when these laws get made, it's worth think. It, well, it's worth pointing this out with these with these latest laws, and they're not the new laws; they're different interpretations. But when they change laws, they often run them in like university games. I think they run them in curry cups or South African universities. Yeah, varsity. Yeah, that, yeah. Is it varsity cup? It doesn't really matter. But they, they yeah. run them, right? And that's fine. They look at them. And go, yeah, okay, that's you know this works. That works. Let's introduce it to the pro game. The big difference is that when you introduce it to the pro game. You're, you are giving this information to different types of people who are far more savvy, far more calculate, calculating, and know how to manipulate laws in order to get the best out of their teams. So when you've given it to the highest level of rugby coach, which effectively is what we have in the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere, to, to be, I'm not saying just saying only the Northern Hemisphere, but the international coaches, that's why they kick it. Because why would you run at... a you know, a back row which includes Tom Curry, Sam Underhill, um at one Got point. Got on yeah, the pitch yeah, as well. Jamie George. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Don't don't do not run at those people. So prior to the England Wales game, I was thinking, if Wales want to win this, they probably want to do it without the ball. They probably you probably want to give the ball away. Because if you can't roll and present and do all the things which we used to do then the Jackal is going to have one hell of an advantage. And that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, exactly. just, got, just got Jack Willis and Ben Earl coming off the bench. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> what, what, you know. uh, so these rules have been made. Uh, there's no trialling of them. They've been put out. And the answer to, the, to bad rules is not more bad rules. I mean, I wish someone would have some humble pie here and say, yeah, we should really un- undo these laws right away. Uh, the, the answer is not, well, uh, maybe only certain players should be, be able to jackal. Or, you know, maybe... Cert- that's, that's a Steve Diamond law. He, he he said that last year on the telly. He said, oh, he just let his Acker and Tom and the, and the Curry boys jackal. He has some cool laws, though. Yeah. He used to say, only one person can pick and go on his own. The uh, Only one guy. Everyone else has to do it in twos. Halani Alika. <laughs> He's a big, he was a big yeah. man. His calves. Yeah. Never seen calves as big as his. Big old boy. Um... What, what do you think of that, Phil, then, that we might have uh, gone too far down this particular rabbit hole and need to come back out and admit maybe maybe that was wrong? So the, the principle I totally get. The, the bit that's, 
there is a question for me over it, just because Super Rugby Arturo was so good. It was such a high-quality product, such an entertaining product. Um, but I don't know, sitting here right now, what was done differently, whether anything was done differently from a coaching perspective or whether it was just um, a higher skill set from the players that allowed them to be more effective, to make a more effective spectacle with that change in laws. I do think or maybe they, they oh, just yeah. hadn't considered the law, the consequence of the law greatly enough because they were the first people playing. Yeah. The, the, if you remember that the number of penalties in that first week yeah. made it actually a bit of a weird looking spectacle that first weekend. And then this week, yeah. 30 penalties. Was that, yeah. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. So maybe um, this is just the evolution of it. I think that's a fair point, Phil. And I, I would also say that um, a team very recently that's done incredibly well with a highly effective kicking game is South Africa, who won the World Cup with it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, admittedly, in the final against England, they didn't kick a huge amount because they didn't have to because they were winning so many penalties from scrums. Um, but in that semi-final against Wales, there was more than 70 kicks out of hands in, in the game. Um, between the two teams, which is an astonishing number, but it was it was successful for South Africa. It won them a World Cup that tactic. So it's not it's not a totally new thing. It's, yeah. I don't think this has reinvented rugby. I think it's just being done in a thoughtless and ill effective manner by a lot of teams. I don't, I'm not I'm not sure it is thoughtless though. So uh, you know the kicking itself, as in the process of kicking the ball as high as you want, challenging for it. I mean, it might seem thoughtless to us compared to. You know the kicking which we would have seen, say, three or four months ago. But if statistically, um, it means that you're going to have a better outcome because you're not getting turned over, then it's not aim- aimless at all. It's actually quite effective, and that's the worrying part. If it's effective, we're not going to. If it was aimless, they wouldn't do it. If it was effective and not giving away penalties, then they will do it, and that's the worrying part. That- a, a very simplified way it was put by on, on our um, fantasy rugby draft WhatsApp group by my brother is. Uh, the more you kick, the more you win. Yeah, and for which, a lot of teams, is, that is the case. But that that um, correlation has been there for a long time. That is not yeah, a new thing. That's, that's not been that's not new from these laws. Yeah, that's that, that has existed. New Zealand statistically kick more than their opposition, and statistically win more than their opposition. The, the, the two things have gone hand in hand for a long time and, and have not been changed by this law. Well, no. uh, I, it's I, not even a law. It's as, as Jay said, it's not a new law. It's just a new interpretation of the rules around uh, the the tacklers immediately getting out of the way and rolling to the touch lines. Uh, the ball player having one dynamic movement to place the ball and then um, creating a fair contest for the ball on the that, floor. That one dynamic movement bothers me. Because to undo, the, to put that genie back in the bottle, you've either got to say, <laughs> well, okay, so the laws are correct. But to get the roll back in, I think the roll is a tremendous thing to have to give you clean, quick ball. How do you change that law? Because the wording has not changed. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's it's more about all they all they do is have a little word in the referee's ears and go, you know, we were going really hard on that. Don't go so hard on it. Yeah, but, but like they do yeah. with the, the put-in at the line-out, uh, put-in at the scrum, sorry. But and it's, so, like it's so irritating if you're a coach because do you how do you prepare your team? So what would they say, like multiple dynamic moves before you place the ball? Well, that's no good. <laughs> Two dynamic moves? They can phase whatever they want to out of the game just by just basically turning down the sensitivity yeah. to it you, you, you can that, that that would happen I, I think we should maybe move on from this and just go this is something we're watching tell us what you think because 
Because it, it creates Twitter traffic. Who? Well, who, who knows? <laughs> Maybe next weekend it'll be free-flowing and we'll go, what were we worried about? It was just, you know, the end of November and greasy pitches and stuff. And uh, who, who knows? Who, who knows? But uh, yeah. I think it's definitely one to have on the radar to watch because it... And it maybe it's just the crowd. Maybe these games are always like this, but we're sort of absorbed into the atmosphere a little <laughs> yeah. bit more. Maybe just maybe we just never like like Rob Baxter says. A lot of people watch rugby, but do they really watch rugby? And sadly, we've really watched rugby. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Well, when we're not at grounds having a beer with our rugby and having a chat, or we're not in the pub chuntering away over the top of a game, then yeah, yeah, probably probably is an element of that. Um, as for, for England Wales, well, I, I should just say actually, if you want to get in touch and give us your thoughts on on that, um, we are contactedchasers at gmail dot com. You can bob us an email, and we're at rugby podcast on Twitter. We've had a bunch of questions today. Have we? Yeah, excellent um, for the, for this latest pod, um, and one of them related to England Wales that was I thought was a a good one to kick off with, but obviously I haven't got organised and uh, and thought about <laughs> it so. Anyway, yeah, oh no, that's it. Do you think England and, and Eddie Jones are deliberately keeping their powder dry or was that how England wanted to go out and perform, do you feel? Genuinely no idea. I, I know that's a terrible answer for someone who, who does a rugby podcast, but genuinely no, no idea. I mean, to me, it looked like England wanted to play Wales in the same way, with the same mentality that they played Georgia. And that was, OK, Georgia, you think you're really good with the physical stuff. Watch this. And they played to Wales' strength, almost like they were goading them to say, all right, so we think that you're good at this. We're going to kick to Lee Halfpenny, who is probably the world's greatest positional fullback. I mean, he's up there. He might have severe weaknesses elsewhere, but kicking to Lee Halfpenny when you're kicking deep doesn't strike me as the greatest idea. And yet they did it. They they did everything possible to give Wales a chance and they still beat them. And I do wonder if that was you know, almost, almost like a shot across the bow for the Six Nations. Yeah, to answer your question, Tim, I I think, and I've said it on the I think the last two podcasts, I I think um, England they are focusing on one specific area of their game in the main, which is get territory and beating people up, and that is all that is what they're focusing on. They're happy to to kick the ball away. They're happy not to have possession for long periods of time, and they're happy putting themselves under defensive pressure and letting other teams attack them. And I think to a degree, they are keeping their pounder dry on other things because they're just not doing it. They're they're hardly um, running the ball, certainly not running the ball from deep anywhere um, inside their own half, uh, save for that turnover for the Johnny May try last weekend. Um, So they they are, to a degree, keeping their powder dry because they're focusing on on other areas of their game. Yeah, so you've got a strange dynamic there, haven't you? Which is, if you know that England want to defend against you, you don't want to let them defend defend against you, do you? Yeah, you you, don't want to attack. Yeah, exactly. So if you think (laughs) about the Ireland game, in my mind... England only got what they wanted out of Ireland in the last, say, 20 minutes when Ireland got their act together and started pounding on the England five-metre line. But it wasn't particularly effective. England looked like they couldn't be more delighted to see Ireland doing exactly what they wanted them to because they wanted to prove that they could turn them over and kick them back. So now you've got, fast forward to this week, a team that wants to defend, setting out their stall saying, we want to defend you. And then the Wales going, well, we're not playing that game. You, uh, we'll, we'll defend you. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm. I, I think I said it last week, and I'm absolutely convinced that Eddie Jones is 
it, yeah, actually probably said, guys, this week we're not we're not playing. We're not playing, we're doing this. And I think it's he's trying to replicate and recreate maybe... Uh, do you know what I think Eddie Jones is doing? You know on video games, how they have, on sport video games, you have like scenarios that you can play. Yes. You're this many points down and there's two minutes to go. You have to be so-and-so and try and win. I think that's what he's doing to them. He's saying this week our scenario is we're up against this type of team and... We, we, and our game plan is we're just going to we're just going to kick and not attack and we're going to smash him in defence and and squeeze wins out and get penalties. I think honestly that's what he's doing. I think yeah, I think waffle. he said to them we're not we're not attacking, and so I wouldn't be surprised if next week against France he goes right we're, n- now we're going to play like from the start of the game we're thirty points down and we've got to try and absolutely hammer a team. And yeah, go for it, it. it's bizarre, isn't it? Because rugby's so such a multifaceted game. That they've almost switched off from the. I mean, they would have scored if they could have. Don't get me wrong, but they didn't seem to be. Well, it just it feels like a strange way to approach a game of rugby. If that's hasn't Eddie Jones actually said we'll do attack. We're not even we're not even doing attack. Yeah, he said we'll do attack after the Lions. Right, (laughs) which is bizarre. That is bizarre, isn't it? I mean, like why? But you know, if that's the case, why even bother picking Ford? Why even bother picking Slade and Daly? I mean, you may as well go pick Mike Brown. Yeah, uh, bring bad uh, Brad Barrett back. I mean, why <laughs> why have these lads even lining up? But Phil Phil understands this. Phil's done you know weights for years and stuff, and uh, the components of fitness. You build a strong base, get your core sorted, mm-hmm. get your flexibility sorted, and if you don't have those, you can't you you won't be you'll get injured or you won't be effective yeah. at, at lifting weights well. And that uh, and that said, they do have Jonathan Joseph on the wing, so yeah. Um... I don't know. I, I think that I think everything we've said is right about them. Now, there was with all honest. that said. With, <laughs> <laughs> with all that said, there was a few times early on in that game where I actually wanted England to play, try and play the ball a bit less and kick the ball a little bit earlier because they weren't actually playing it very well. And one of the things that frustrated me a number of times right throughout this game is the quality of service that uh, George Ford was getting or any first receiver. Because when Sinclair or Mako or whoever it was went to first receiver, they were repeatedly having to check because the pass was above their head or behind them Mm. from Ben Youngs. And Ben Youngs was getting it on a plate from the pack his passing just wasn't very good and it, it hamstrung them on a number of occasions. It is fascinating to think what's going to happen to Ben Youngs when he rocks up to Leicester Tigers. Like, can I start again? No, you no. can't. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, I... <It's, laughs> I'm, I'm watching this game and I know, I know Ben Youngs has got his fans and he's got a lot of critics, but I'm genuinely watching this game thinking, how, how is he over 100 caps with service like this? And how... How is how is Ford? How has Ford repeatedly looked so good both for England and Leicester when the service is like this, kind of sixty percent of the time? Yeah, Ford. Uh, Ford must be quite some player. Uh, <laughs> uh, just a quick word on Wales, though, because it feels yep. like we've completely overlooked them. It wasn't as bad as I was expecting. I mean, part right. of that was part of that was, of course, the English tactics. But I did respect the fact that Pivak went out and picked a team which looked more like a Pivak team you know he didn't go with just all the players that Gatland used to pick the front row was different the back row was completely different except except for Faletau. Um I wonder if that we're going to see a bit bit more of that as he tries to put his authority on this team now he might have done it a bit late 
I think he probably has done it a bit late. Uh, but it was good to see at least them trying something. Yeah, uh, Martin... Much, oh, sorry, so, go on, Phil. I was just going to say, a ge- genuine question, Jay, because how many of those changes, like you mentioned the back row, um, the, the changes I can think of would be uh, Liam Williams missing out, Jonathan Davies missing out, Gareth Davies missing out, Tips missing out, uh, all all through injury. That how many of those true. changes were genuine selection changes and how yeah. many are just enforced because of injury? That is a good point. I, I mean, I think Lloyd Williams is there because he must be a pivot guy. Uh, I, I can't for the life of me think that he's be- he is better than Webb. Well, it, it could be one of those happy accidents. Like Eddie Jones never intended to have Owen Farrell at 12 and it, it worked out really quite well for him. So we'll see. Uh, this, this tweet's coming from uh, Martin Lewis. He's got an Ospreys uh, logo on his Twitter account. Mm-hmm. So uh, that places him. And he says, I'm a Welsh fan. Uh, personally, if I think if you're going to complain to World Rugby about the refs, do it in private. Don't tell the media. Also, we'd have uh, still lost our set piece. Uh, we'd have still lost. Our set piece is poor and we have a blunt attack. Um, yes, Elliot Daly could have got a yellow, but so could we for a dubious clear out on him. So basically, he's saying, "Oh, the clear out was amazing." He's, he's saying, the "Clear out, yeah, the clear." But <laughs> but his general, the general thrust of his point is, Wayne Pivak, pipe down, back uh, in your box. I, so I don't know if this is true. I just heard it. Um, no, where I heard it. But Wales have complained about the ref. Is that right? Uh, well, it could be journalists just picking the one quote uh, from Pivak and ignoring the rest, but. All of the write-ups I've read today about the game, uh, there's been loads written about Wayne Pivak moaning about Roman Poit and he's going to go and have a word with World, World Rugby about it. Uh, I don't see the point. Uh, I don't see the point. Well, well on, no, you like see the point. point with talking to World Rugby because um, that facility is open and he can talk to the head of the referees and he can he can make his feelings known. I, I, I have to say I agree with Martin. I don't like that... We're, talk- that we're talking about a coach talking about a referee. He can say, I've got some questions I want to ask. We're going to address some things. I want to make some answers. But there was far more in Wayne Pivak's team's control than that. Yeah. And it just seems weak-minded to come out and, and uh, moan about a referee. Yeah. So first of all, I, have no- I don't see why he would do it. And he's not going to say, yeah, you're right. Actually, we should have given that yellow card. Here's 10 more points to make up for it. Well, then you won the game. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of what coaches say to their players all the time, things, the naff little things, which happen to be true, actually, like control your controllables, doesn't strike me as a, a particularly good use of your time. It's a better use of your time to get a review from the referee and say, look, I didn't understand this, this, and this. Um, you know, help us, help us interpret, interpret your decisions better so we can play better next time. The flip side to that is, Maybe you do get some mileage out of criticising referees. So we've seen this in the past with, I think, Eddie Jones, certainly with Warren Gatland, and he'll say, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. They like to jump across our line. So yeah. I, I'm hoping that the referee watches the jumping across the line or the closing the gap, sort of like... Oh, the, yeah, and Eddie Jones has done it before games. Well, yeah. I, hope, I hope the referee's watching the, the, the boring in on the, on the loose head side, or whatever it, yeah. whatever it would yeah. be. So yeah, even if it doesn't happen, yeah, then the other team are thinking... But that's very different, isn't it, to a generic criticism of a ref who you might or might not see again this, uh, this year. I mean, why, why bother? Yeah, it, it did... It, it comes across as a bit uh, sour grapes, albeit um, with the bigger thing, which is one of the things he has um, said, that he, he is totally correct. And that's that's the bigger... When he was taken out yeah. in the air, it, immediately before the Henry Slade try, 
And now, when I was watching this, I thought Roman Poit did really well because the TMO pipes in his ear, as TMOs have done many times before for, for non-incidents. Roman says, basically, get back in your box. I've, I've seen it myself. It wasn't a foul. Let's play on. Henry Slade, Slade scores the try. They can't go back to it or don't go back to it because Poit has already overruled it. And then when the replay comes up, Dan Bigger was clearly taken out in the air and it should have been yeah. a penalty well, to Wales. Well, t- taken out is quite an emotive way of describing it. Well, he, 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 came, was, he came down he on his feet. He was tackled in the air. Yeah, I yeah, agree. He, and and in, the law, that, in, the law, in the law, that's a penalty. But yeah, yeah. how many... If But l- let's just follow that logic. Yes, I agree. It was a penalty. It, Wales fans can feel aggrieved that Roman Pratt didn't listen to his TMO and give it. But... Let's just remember, it was just a penalty decision, which Roman Poit saw, decided against, and he may have got it right or wrong. How many penalties are there out on a rugby field that referees don't oh, d- d- see an incident? Dozens. Don't, don't dozens interpret- a game. Exactly. So I'm not saying it doesn't Wayne matter, Pivak yeah. doesn't have a point. Dan Bigger yeah, didn't yeah. have a point. Wales fans can't feel aggrieved. Absolutely you can, and I'd be the same if it had happened to England and, and, and uh, maybe the result would have been different. But... But, well, let's talk, talk but, about the Welsh clear-out. Because, I mean, I've not seen that in slow motion. I saw it in real time. I tried to rewind the... Right, if, if there's a problem with Amazon, it's the fact that you, they give you a blind rewind. So it tells you, like, where you're going to end up in numbers, like 21 minutes, whatever, but you don't see the damn screen. So I, I tried to find that clear-out again. I couldn't. But it looked absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Now, that it's, could be two yellow cards. So it, it's going to make no difference, is it? Yeah, I don't know, Tim. I, I'm I'm gen- definitely with your your overall point on that, um, and it, I thought it was quite refreshing to see a referee actually overrule a TMO because normally they will just listen to them, and normally they. I mean, what was the one? Uh, it was. Oh, in, yeah, I've watched so many. <laughs> the, games. the other week where he they went back to look at foul play and he, and and then the ref. Oh, went, that, White- that wasn't foul play. And he went. Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. It wasn't Ben Whitehead. Oh yeah. No, I've, I, that, I agree. The thing I just made you stop the whole game for and look up at the screen at. I agree. It's not foul play. Here, Wayne, but, Wayne Barnes and Ben Whitehead. I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Wayne, we've got foul play. Shut me. Yeah, we've got no foul play. Ben, Ben, do you agree? <laughs> yes, I agree. Wayne, what? <laughs> but there was, there was one ben. in the um, the Ireland Georgia game. Um, it was a, a rolling mall try, which the referee could not possibly have been better placed. He's basically kneeling down a, a metre away from where the ball is allegedly touched down, and he goes up to the, the TMO. And I just think it's there is no possible way. And unsurprisingly, the TMO didn't give any um, additional information that could overrule the on-field decision. Because the the referee could not possibly have been in a better place, and no camera in that stadium could have possibly been in a better place. So it's I, I liked seeing Roman Poit actually take responsibility that he has seen everything he needs to see and move on and well, not go to the TMO. If you think that's egregious, did you see the TMO intervention or the TMO, TMO use for the Bowden Barrett non-try? And so the, yes, the referee is. Five yards, but it might be not five. It might be fifteen yards. I, you know, I don't care where where the ref, where the referee is in this situation. The, Bowden Barrett might have been might have been in, in front of the ref. Then it looks like it might have been been a knock on, and then he drops it from about waist height, and they have to review this. Like, are you a professional or are you not a professional? 
You know, there's no way you can miss all of those things. Yeah. So I, I, I'm happy for the referees to to uh, make some of those judgment calls and move the game on, which which is interesting because I think if you'd asked me that a few years ago, I would have said, I want the right answer every time and I don't care how long it takes. And I'm de- I'm not in that space anymore. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a statement which might make me more unpopular with some Wales Uh-oh. fans than British Airways. <laughs> By the by, the way, how ridiculous was that? People are idiots. <laughs> People are absolute morons. I just want to. I just want to say for the record, I am absolutely outraged that British Telecom uh, sponsors Scotland. British Telecom, like they should change their name to Scottish Telecom. I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm Welsh. I, the, um, Chris Bryant, the MP, uh, and I don't know much about Chris, uh, uh, Chris Bryant. I do know how he's I, a Welsh nationalist. No, he's not. Well, no, he's Labour. He, well, I know he's Labour, but he's a—he's well, clearly a Welsh nationalist. I mean, like, I'm sure he's a good man. But there's a pandemic going on. You know, aren't you meant to be there lobbying for different tiers yeah. and, and whatnot? Maybe, maybe go and uh, go and back to Westminster and start complaining that we haven't seen a uh, breakdown of the costs of lockdown and yeah. stuff that, before you make a vote on Tuesday, rather than getting your knickers in a twist about British Airways British Air- wishing their wishing their commercial partner. Good luck in their game. By the way, British Airways, a company owned mainly in Spain. Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> You're getting annoyed at words. They're just such idiots. <laughs> who who cares? So, yeah, I mean, obviously I care now. I, you know, I don't care about it. I care that other people care, which kind of makes me worse. <laughs> it makes me, it makes me right. the worst of all the offenders, really. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the statement I was going to make that might make me un- unpopular with Wales fans is I looked at that Wales lineup at the weekend and I thought, are Wales? Are Wales just piggybacking on England to get their players? Are they just? Are they not doing any work for themselves? They're like a kid at school copying the person who's done all the all the revision, and and Wales are the are the person at school just looking over their shoulder copying their answers. Okay, because so many of that Wales team like where are the young players coming through in Wales I mean I, actually I'm saying it like I'm annoyed I'm not I'm more concerned for Wales than anything where are your young players I think we do I think they do a relatively good job don't they no go on far away so l- look at that lineup at the weekend um it, how many of those how many of the players in the Wales lineup were cultivated developed by English clubs and the English system Lewis Rees-Samet Johnny Williams, uh, yeah, Nick Tompkins. Uh, it was Ross, uh, Ross Moriarty wasn't playing, but he he would be another one. There are um, uh, there there are other examples. Uh, Josh Adams. No, no, Josh Adams came from Scarlets. No, I know. Uh, no, he left Scarlets because he wasn't getting on at all, and they and they they let him. They didn't want him. He went to Worcester, who cultivated him and turned him into the international that's now in the Welsh team. He definitely. Well, look. Okay, so there's a few things there. Um, firstly, I would say if you've only got four professional teams you are going to be losing players out to England. And if you produce a hell of a lot of players... I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to stop you there because uh, four teams is the number that Scotland and Italy have combined and they do okay. Uh, yeah, but the Where, point I was going to make is if you've got a population who play a disproportionate amount of rugby, they they will go. And the same as anything, really. I mean, Wales, where r- rugby is played in Wales, mainly the South has got tremendous links and tremendous rivalries um, with England. So it doesn't surprise me one bit but to see so, so many Scotland. Welsh players. I don't understand. So well, no, Scotland. No, be- no, because you know, to get from, so for instance, for Louis Rees-Summit, 
to go from South Wales over over a bridge to Gloucester, no issues. It's a little bit more difficult to go from uh, Edinburgh or Glasgow to, to to Newcastle. No, but my my point being, uh, and the, the only point I'm making is, is not oh, it doesn't make sense why Lewis Rees Summit went to an English club. That's not what I'm saying. Mm. I'm saying, yeah, Lewis Rees Summit went over. Josh Hodge, uh, Josh Hodge, Josh Adams went over, and Ross Moriarty went over. But what is it about? What is it about? What is about the Welsh system? That the lets Welsh them go system. No, no, no. Not that lets them go. That means you don't have the equivalent of those players coming through Welsh regions because there doesn't. It doesn't maybe appear not, to be happening. Maybe they're just not as good. Well, well I, I mean, that's what I would say. I mean, I, you know, if I'm Gloucester, do I want the kid that's not quite as good as Lewis Rees Summit? I mean, I, I want I want Lewis Rees Summit. Uh, mm. Yeah, you know, and the English clubs have got a bit more money. Be, I mean, would you want to play your rugby in bloody? Um, Newport, or would you want to go to Bath or Gloucester? I'm just making the observation that the system doesn't appear. Callum Sheedy, another, and there's another name. So many yeah. of the, so many choice. of the Wales squad. So, so here is your choice, right? Play in Swansea, right, or play for one of the richest men in 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 the UK at Ashton Gate. I I don't I wouldn't even think about it. But these guys aren't going to. Callum Sheedy didn't go to Ashton Gate to, to play for the to play for the richest man. He went as a Callum Sheedy. He right? went as a kid. Callum Sheedy is is playing at Bristol because it's a phenomenal club with a phenomenal coach, phenomenal players, ambition, stadium, great competition. Mm. That that that's the that, that that that's the attraction. I'm if you not... build that in Wales. They want to stay, but but they're not going to do it. I, I, I don't buy it. I, I think you would have both. If it if it wasn't a system problem, you would have uh, players going to English clubs, and not many. We're talking about the Welsh team, and you would also have young Wales players, but you can't see him. But and, and, and Thomas Francis, there's another one. So yeah. probably probably it's probably eight in the squad no. at the weekend that were that were either England players or were cold were, were English developed players. So you need to divide them up, don't you? So Thomas Francis is not Welsh. Really. He's a Yorkshireman. He's Yorkshire. Don, Donny Prop, right? <laughs> so you know there are some lads which just have Welsh heritage, but of course that's going to happen when you've got two countries next to each other. And you know does, you, you've mm, got ple- who is the okay. guy in charge? So Scotland have one as well. Scotland have one. Wales have one. Um, Ireland definitely have someone very clever doing this, and they look at all the backgrounds of all the players. He's qualified. He's qualified. He's qualified. He's qualified. Um, and and that's what they do. Like the next great Welsh uh, second the, row. This this is this isn't really my point. My, my point is my point is generally why are Scotland producing youngsters? Why are Italy producing youngsters? Why aren't Wales producing youngsters? Yeah. I think it's a legitimate point, but maybe you disagree. Well, the, I, I, the next great Welsh second Phil, row. Phil's itching to get in. He's in a different from, room. Is on, Phil, coming sorry. from Exeter. The next what? Sorry, the next great Welsh second row is coming from Exeter. Go on. I can't, I can't remember his name now, but um, <laughs> I've, I've heard amazing things about this kid. Sorry, Phil, you've been listening to me and JB have a ding-dong there. <laughs> I was going to say, Tim, um, selecting Italy and Scotland as fine examples of developing young players does seem... Um, it doesn't seem to strengthen your point, given the number of um, <laughs> freshly crowned South African, uh, both Italians and Scottish players who are playing for them, <laughs> a, to be honest. That's a fair point. Yeah, <laughs> it's an international game. They, they need to go wherever they wherever they can get the cash. Hey, listen, there's nothing I love more than an, an England an England v Wales Six Nations game, and I want and it, any win in Wales is tough. But I want to go. I, I want the England team to go to Cardiff uh, when you know when Six Nations comes around again. Think uh, and I I want to watch that game thinking, God, this is going to be really dicey. We might not win. I'm just I'm a little concerned about the the lack of 
fire firepower that is coming through the Welsh regions right now and you've talked about it being a snake pit and I just I just wonder if some of these chickens are coming home to roost find me uh, well here's another point it's sort of linked to yours I don't know if it is maybe you can tell me if it backs you, backs you up or not when was the last great Welsh team you know, to play in Europe um, the Scarlets were the only one one that I can think of outside of that you're looking back to the Gavin Henson James Hook days yeah. in, in Ospreys it doesn't Osprey, surprise it's me. It's about two, 2008 or something like that. Yeah, probably Sonny Parker was playing 13 when they were good. Uh, Shane to- Williams playing. Tommy Bow. Tommy Bow on the wing. Probably Lee, was Lee Byrne there. Have I made that up? I think Lee Byrne did. I think he went from Scarlets to Ospreys to Claremont. So, yeah, there is... Um, the club game has not been strong in Wales for a long, long, long time. And until it is, I think your point of them not having the players... Why would you pick someone who does not play in the higher levels of Europe when you could go over to Saracens or Exeter and get Tom Francis or Tompkins or any or, or Reese Carey or any of these lads? That would be the point. Hmm. Um one position where Wales do seem to be um, creating some talent is their back row. And they've got some genuinely talented youngsters. I thought um, both of them and Lewis Hughes both did well, two, two very young lads. And yep. with Wayne Wright on the bench, who is class, and then obviously you've got Falatau and Moriarty. And it's, it's guys who are probably replacing the, the class last previous generation, which includes obviously Falatau, but also Tipperick and Warburton. Uh, and Lydia, who yeah. were all in their prime, quality, world-class uh, back rowers. Do you know what the problem is with producing great back rowers, or good, or really good back rowers? Uh, they're very likely to get injured. No, everybody has them. <laughs> so, like, England have loads. Scotland yeah. have the best two flankers that they think they've seen for generations in Hardy and, and, and Hamish Watson. problem with great flankers is everybody has them. You, you find me a team that doesn't think Richie. they've got... Sorry, what, 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 what did I say? Hardy. Jamie Rich. Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Richie. Sorry, yes, of course. Yeah, Rich, Richie and... Um, uh, what's his name? Hamish uh, Watson. Watson. Hamish Watson. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You, you, you find me a club or an international team who do not think they've got the two best flankers they've had in a long, <laughs> long time. Mm. I mean, even Ireland think that they've got... Um, to uh, uh, two outstanding prospects. So, I mean, France went uh, with their two backups who are phenomenal. True. Yeah. Th- those French players are seriously talented, those two backups, Makalu yeah. and Wookie. Well, maybe you can talk, talk talk about those guys next. Yeah, just yes. one, qu- one quick question, though, a little interlude, if you will, uh, and this one has come in from uh, Gio Petru, who said, who is the Maradona of world rugby, do you think? Um, is it Kobus van Wyk today after he handballed the, the ball in, into touch for a yellow card but he got caught yeah uh, I, <laughs> oh, think, I see I think someone's not seen the Leicester game today uh, no I, I have oh, oh right yeah, yeah. I, I have but I, yeah obviously I'm not going to get sidetracked into domestic rugby we'll save that for tomorrow's <laughs> podcast professional <laughs> um, who do you reckon the Maradona of World Rugby because it would be it would be easy to say Jonah Lomu um, no, for, I would for, never go no, no, no. there. Well, no, from the point of view that he is just one of the, a world star that you go to any corner of the world and he'd be the one rugby player nah. that, that people would know. Um, Do you know who John Alomu is? In that sense, but 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 yeah, Maradona is is, is like incredibly skillful. He was just so languid and 
charismatic on the field. And but also a villain. You've got to remember that. He was also yeah. a villain, which is you know the 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 true beauty. Of the I man. don't I don't begrudge him that at all. I'm, no, it's the complexity of no. character which makes him so appealing. I, I don't understand all the fuss about that. It's the, I, I, I mean, so let's just clear up the John Lumber one. I mean, but bearing in mind he he's about five foot. He, he was what five foot five, five yeah. foot six, something like that, and he managed to out jump Peter Shilton, who had the ability to punch it with his hands. If if Peter. If he manages to jump that high, fair play to him. Do what you want. Yeah, fair. Fine, fine. As for John Loma, who is, for football terms, I think John Loma is far more analogous with um, the original Ronaldo. Power, pa- you know, just powerful, <laughs> big, break, you know, break, breaking uh, the mould. And he had the little front tuft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the front tuft. I mean, there's, Same hair. Yeah, it scores a lot. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to go for, Ronaldo, for Maradona. Some, like, diminutive playmaker. Rather than an out-and-out scorer, like if, you need um, you need the off-field trouble as well because because uh, it's such a defining characteristic yeah. of Maradona. Yeah. In the same way that like George Best, it's a totally defining characteristic. Yeah. That is just you need and, and the number the number of geniuses. Yeah, the number of geniuses that are troubled in other ways. You need a, a naughtier, a, a naughtier version of Ryan Lamb with more caps. So uh, like if. If Dan Carter got caught for lots of really naughty things, really naughty things, really naughty, and lots of them, well, he not just not just a he few. didn't know, did he? No, absolutely. No. Well, well, he did go to Paris for a little while. Um, yeah, he had a good time there. Um, yeah. Finn Russell's not a bad shout, actually, but Finn Russell needs a World Cup. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> and he needs more. He needs more demons too. I mean, so it's still time to develop that. I don't know who the Maradona of rugby is. Then who's who's who do you think of as like the most ridiculously skillful player who also wasn't just a show pony, like delivered on the pitch, pulled pulled his team up I, I, to I, his level. I would still go with. Um, so, like, I tell you, play wise, George Ford isn't isn't bad. But then the on, the off field stuff is just you know squeaky yeah. squeaky clean, so you can't have it. The the honest the honest answer for me is no one no one comes close to uh, marrying those two aspects of their um, unbelievably skillful play doing things that no one else in the world could dream of doing and having that lifestyle <laughs> off the I, yeah. pitch as well no one in rugby comes close and do you know what maybe it is a maybe it's better to leave it at that and say that he is just a just a unique talent mm. totally totally unique. Yeah. An unbelievable talent. Yeah, there is no one, and there's no one who's had such like ubiquitous success wherever they've gone. Their teams have won and won and won. Yeah, yeah. yeah from that perspective, you could say Johnny Wilkinson, and, like just from the on-field perspective, because <laughs> gone of demons. He went to Toulon. He went to Toulon and <laughs> yeah, he he went to Toulon and won. He he won the league at Newcastle um, when he was a kid, and yes. um, and he won the World Cup. So yeah. Two yeah. seconds. But no, that's, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't, doesn't work. work. There is there isn't one. Unless you can think of one. That rugby podcast on Twitter. Right. Um You mentioned Frank. On the, yeah. the France game. Yeah. Yeah. Um did did you enjoy it? I mean it was basically a, a France second team. I nah. I enjoyed it less than I thought I was going to. Partly because so when I saw obviously French France rested everyone and Italy played the strongest team that they had available pretty much. Um, 
I was quite hopeful because Italy have upset France in the past and I was hoping for a big underdog win. And when Canna scored that try after 25 minutes with the the skill, the show-go-give um, from Garbisi, yeah. I thought, this is on. This is, this is going to be a real game. And then it just wasn't, and Italy just couldn't retain the ball and gave it away cheaply and couldn't stop the power of France from just steamrolling them. Yeah, um, they so had a, a bit underwhelming from my side. And there was a lot of kicking too. I mean, it suffered a, in the same way that the England Wales game did. Um, I was, I was really looking forward to seeing that that French back row. I thought that it was very promising but actually what really happened is they just stayed in second gear I never felt that they really showed their worth I tell you where they did look bloody fantastic though is it is in the line out some of the takes were un- like the one handed takes were just unbelievable uh, but I don't think anyone played their way into the first team I don't think anyone really stood out Dan- Dante was good I-, I-, I quite like watching Dante I can't believe that's only his fifth cap yeah Dante seems to I remember watching him when did did Stade Francais win the league about three or four seasons ago? It might have even been longer ago than that now. But yes, he maybe did. For, Parise when, does a little backdoor pass in the final. Yeah, when when Dante then was probably about fifteen kg lighter than he is right now, was just electric, and he's. I've hardly seen him since then. I don't know if he's been injured. I don't watch as much French rugby as I used to, but. Um, he is a totally different player. And I honestly, at times, thought I was watching Bastero. Um, yes. For, in, in, in a good way, like a young Bastero, not not when he was playing number eight. Um, There's your Maradona. Bastero, that, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no chance. Not um, a chance. Hey, he's won with Stade Francais. He's won with Toulon. Yeah. European Cups. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> no, no, no. But Dante did... A good impression of Bastaro at times. I mean, he's he's certainly direct these days, isn't he? Yes. And that hit he put. Oh, I can't remember who he hit. Oh yeah, he was it in Banda? Him, didn't he? he absolutely nailed him. Yes, it was class. Uh, yeah, I. I mean, I thought he played well. No one, no one played their way into the French first team. That would be my. That would be my opinion. They, they just looked like they did enough to get the game won and nothing more. Uh, no. It is one guy. I thought Bryce Doulan was class. Bryce yeah. Doulan? Yeah. yeah. He was very... But he's got, he's got big shoes to fill in, Boutier and Ramos, yeah. the two guys ahead of him. And, and yeah. t- t- Teddy Thomas in that team stood out. Like I just I cannot get over how fast he is versus how casual he looks so, when he runs. Yeah. It's like Usain Bolt had that sort of skill, didn't he? He looked just totally chilled. Teddy yeah. Tomat is, and he's doing it. But Teddy, unlike Usain Bolt, who was just running in a straight, not just running in a straight line, running in a straight line faster than any <laughs> human has ever run in a straight line. But uh, Teddy Tomat is running in a straight line, looking casual, whilst there are people well, wa- wanting to end him. I, I mean, we talk, well, I do at least, but I sometimes talk about things that you do which no coach would ever let you do uh, because you're so good. So the example of that would be to turn your back to the... Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Defensive line and kick it backwards over your head like Carlos Spencer. Or yeah. when you're a kid, look where you're passing. And then again, Carlos Spencer looks the other way and passes it over your shot. I mean, you're not allowed to do that. Those are, those are not in the laws. Skill-wise, um, Carlos Spencer is the Maradona. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, but he never awesome. won anything. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. He got he got uh, Northampton promoted from the championship. He won the championship. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Teddy Thomas, did you see it when he caught the ball? He he went backwards. He was like it was like a, a prize fighter goading a guy. Like, come on, ta- tackle me, on, tackle then. me. Yeah. So he puts his hand in his chest and walks backwards and then runs sideways. That's not allowed. That isn't that isn't a coachable <laughs> skill. It's like a matador, isn't he? Yeah. You, know, you, you see an under five do that in training. You blow the whistle and then you explain to them why they're horribly wrong. Teddy Tomat would be amazing at. Um, th- there's there's this wicked sport if you've ever seen it. I think that it's on YouTube. It's basically rugby league. It's like parkour. <laughs> <laughs> Like parkour, where oh, just, like I know you have, you I think it's fifteen seconds or thirty seconds. You have to survive in this little kind of playground, effectively weird yeah. little. Imagine a some sort of playground built on the set of Gladiators, something like that. And basically, this what the time starts. Two people start at one end. One's the chaser. One's trying to evade, and they just hop, they just do parkour, just hopping around all over the stuff. Teddy Tomat, I just it's get extreme. the impression if he hadn't been an international rugby player, he could have been like the, the world's greatest parkour guy. It's just his movements are, are cat-like. You mean extreme tag? That's what it is. Yeah, is that what it's called? It's something like that. It's something like extreme tag. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. He would be phenomenal. He'd be phenomenal at pretty much any sport that he t- turned his hand to. So yeah, a bit, bit disappointing, mind you. It was thirty six to five, but all those points came came at the end. Was there a game that was there an international game that you wouldn't class as slightly disappointing? Because I think I probably like you watched all of Ireland, Georgia. Did you feel? Did you say? Because uh, I, I did. I, I I tried to pay that attention, but I didn't uh, really. I'm going to be I, honest. That in the first ten minutes, I was already losing the will to live, um, and then the the best moment of. Um, the Autumn Internationals oh, that Georgia try. Cup that Georgia try was incredible I, I would even say it's better than the Johnny May try last weekend what? I, so I didn't it, watch any of this game I, I couldn't I, I just couldn't uh, face it it was absolutely spectacular that, that Georgian try in a Georgian team who are really really struggling for um, consistent time with the ball consistent phases and line breaks and they scored a 55 metre try 
um, where their outside centre beat half of the the um, Irish backline. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was class. It and really then, was class. Unfortunately, that tricked me to thinking that something good might happen for the whole of the rest of the 80 minutes, and unfortunately, nothing else good happened. Well, uh, I mean, that Ireland kit, can we just talk about that? That is possibly the worst international kit I've ever seen. It's right up there, isn't it? I mean, it's <laughs> right up there. So it's uh, it's yeah. horrific, absolute car crash. I will say one bright spot out of this for me, uh, looking at it from an island perspective, I th- I like Jacob Stockdale today. I thought he did. I thought he looked good at fifteen. He he did. Um, he didn't get hugely tested. No, um, but he he did. He, everything that was asked of him, he did really well, and he looked brilliant in attack. Which yes. has never really been a question mark. It's the fundamentals that's been a question mark. Mm. Well, the one thing I saw from him today that I'd never really associated with Stockers, just because you see him on the wing finishing other people's moves, but his um, he's got skills. His, his, pa- pass, his passing is great. His pass for the Keenan try was yeah. really, really good. Yeah, It was... There was a question mark over... The ball did travel forward, but with the momentum rule, it was... It was a legitimate try. That was a brilliant... He was running at full tilt, so was Keenan. A 20-yard left-hand pass with both of them flat out. That We've all was done it. Really skillful. You you might have thrown a few, JB. Yeah, I've, I've, I've thrown a few of them. It's it, it's it's overrated, to be fair. <laughs> and I hate to say, I, I hate to say I told you so on... Um, on New Zealand, Argentina, but when everyone's been going nuts saying Argentina are a world-class team now and everything, I was whoa, 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 uh, and the 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 um, yeah, there was a corrective reaction this weekend that put that firmly in its place. Markets bounce back, don't they, Tim? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I this... got so just a quick shout out to my friend on Twitter, um, Graham from the Dead Ball area. Um, he and a bunch of other other analysts, including Blake Carrick, who you can also find on Twitter. And mm. if I've missed any of you out, I'm very, very sorry. But they've done a phenomenal piece of um, uh, analytics, which they were kind of to share with me. And one of the things that jumped out at me uh, is that almost every team that beat the All Blacks over the past few years, I can't remember exactly how many years, have only allowed the All Blacks into the 22 four times four times so early on in um in this game when you realize how much territory and how much dominance that the all blacks were getting i was thinking this is going to get rather nasty rather quickly and lo and behold it did uh it was you know it was it, it was just a just just a correction in the matrix i guess well this i was watching this game thinking I mean, this genuinely could have been 60 or 70. Yeah. yeah. New Zealand, in that first half, they had four or five, like, guilt-edged chances that the All Blacks normally score, and it was remarkable defence by Argentina to haul down Bowden Barrett two yards from the line, then Ardis Shavea two yards from the line. Caleb Clark. I mean, yeah. Caleb Clark, Caleb how Clark did go could, in? yeah. Yeah, Caleb, I think Caleb Clark twice tackled, once in the corner, once um, to the right-hand side of the post. And it was only unbelievable um, defence and heart from the Ar- Argentine players that prevented this from being a proper route. Am I Albeit, insane for saying that I do not think Caleb Clark is an international standard winger yet? Um, it depends what aspect of 
his play you're going to critique. Uh, the, I mean, the fact he didn't finish that try is borderline criminal to me. Um, best, I'd forgive him that one. Just best to make your mistakes defense. when you best to make your mistakes when, in games when you've absolutely panned an opponent. That, that's yeah. Yeah, there is that. I bet you know if you're thinking about the clinical. I mean, maybe just go easy on the squats because it is his thigh that got him out. <laughs> maybe if his quads were a little bit thinner. Uh, but I, I just worry that maybe he is all power. I mean, he's very, very impressive. I think he's in, um, an incredible rugby player. But as an out and out finisher, maybe there's some work to be done there. Well, he's he's young. He's very, very young. Yeah, he's very young and. But I mean, there's pressure on him because Will Will Jordan came yeah. off and f- finished the two interception tries beautifully. But he was one of the the best players in the whole of Super Rugby Aotearoa. He was yeah. just amazing. But there's no, no getting around it. That was an absolute beatdown, and it, w- it would have been better yeah. for Argentina had they done it in a different order. I think because it, um, yeah. if if the wheels come off and it fizzles out. That 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 win, their first ever win against New Zealand, is going to feel a long way away if they uh, if it really fizzles out. Well, they do have Australia next week. I mean, I don't think it's fair how the stru- the tournament's been structured, but that's no one's fault. That I don't think that could have been avoided. But it's not no. fair that the two other teams get to watch Argentina every week and game plan for them, whereas Argentina have no idea what Australia will will, uh, will be doing. And they're backing it up week after week after week. But that's what you have to do in a World Cup. Yeah. But at least it's you know. At least you've got parity with your competition. At least, yeah, you know. So that, everyone's in the same boat. Same, I hear. Yeah. Um, I'm just having a look at the table. So New Zealand have played all their games. They're on 11 points. Yeah, I don't think uh, so. Argentina can't win it, no. can they? No. And neither can Australia. So it looks like New Zealand have won the championship. Great. 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 Well done. Uh, and if they beat Australia, they come second, which is nice. That's nice. Mm-hmm. So. If that happens, I mean, Argentina at the moment, they're playing with house money, aren't they? Because they've got the draw, they've got the win. Uh, lots of love for, for Ledesma. By the way, just as a side, uh, I thought that the Argentine back row were nowhere near as impressive as last week. And I blame it on that pesky child that showed up again to put pressure on uh, for Kunduisa. I mean, he, <laughs> how, how can he possibly concentrate on his uh, game without that to, troll? To, to blank. Just yeah, to yeah, blank yeah. him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it, does, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I don't know who comes out of this tournament worse, actually. So Argentina are fine. Australia have got um, a lot of tolerance at the moment for bad teams because they were not great for a long, long time. And I think there's a lot of goodwill stored up for... um, What's the coach called? Someone remind me, please. Dave Rennie. Dave Rennie. Which leaves Ian Foster... So he has lost two games for the first time in ages. So I wonder if everyone just goes home a little bit miserable from this from this tournament. <laughs> uh, yeah, Argentina, Ledesma would have been happy to finish it after the first game. Yeah. One, one game, beat the All Blacks, let's go home, lads. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree, Phil. Um, before we go on to next weekend's games, just to touch upon the Oceans Apart documentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I watched that. And you, you wrote a piece for Rugby Pass this week, JB. I did. Thank so, you to Rugby Pass for having me. I think the... Um, have you watched it, Phil? I've, I've not yet. I've okay. been so busy the last couple of weeks. So no, as soon as right. I get some time, I will no, be watching right. it. No, that's all right. So if, if, in summary, the, the thrust of the documentary, I have, I, I have um, 
and always have had, and I think a lot of people in rugby have a lot of sympathy with, which is effectively to point out the disparity in wealth or lack of from the biggest rugby unions on earth, like England, yep. for example, and the smallest, um, and a sort of comparison with what they contribute to the, the world game in terms of incredible player talent, um, culture and all the rest of it, and what the 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 scant resources that they managed to do that with and the examples of we all remember when Samoa came to Twickenham nearly didn't play um that the they they were paying for themselves their own airfares they were uh, given 8 pounds a day or, or whatever it was in sort of uh, subsistence contributions yeah. and things like that so uh, i i've got a lot of sympathy with that and i think the 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 main takeaway thrust was we've got to give more money to these nations we've got to spread the wealth a little bit more not quite so quick but yeah close enough yeah. I mean just to recap on the documentary itself what I think the documentary did an amazing job of is highlighting lots of different injustices which are undeniable what it didn't do so well in my opinion was give me the common thread as to why all these injustices um, occurred I think that's a slightly different thing. And I think at the end of it, it might have come to the wrong conclusions as to how we fix it and who should fix it and and who was, who was, who was responsible. What is undeniable is that something needs to be done. And I have a feeling that something might have to be some form of redistribution of income, but that is far, far harder than anyone imagines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll probably try and write about that next week. But yeah, that would be that 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 would be that be my thing. And the other thrust of it is, it's no good. So the, when I wrote my article, just moving slightly, one of the thrusts of the article that I was trying to put forward uh, is trying to do two things really. I was trying to highlight the economic factors, which are not caused by anyone else other than market forces, as to why rugby is run in the Pacific Islands in the way it is. Um, and secondly to sort of point out that no amount of um, finger pointing at World Rugby is going to help this situation because it isn't at World Rugby's gift to sort this out. If it's at anyone's gift, it's got to be internally in, on the islands. Secondly, it's got to be from the big unions. But it's not World Rugby. The only way, that when I looked at this, the only way that I could marry up the points you made, which are, are, are correct, that the way that the... Pacific Island nation's culture is and the way that the administration of the country and as well as the sport is done, the two are intertwined. Um, the only way you can marry the two up is if the money wasn't given to the unions of these clubs but was given to the players and the only way that could be done is if the match fee system for international rugby was centralised. Yeah. Which, at the moment, you know, it is it is it does feel vulgar that an England player, when England played Samoa, was getting twenty five thousand pounds, and a Samoan player was getting what two hundred pounds. Yeah, so I don't. I'm going to try not to recap my article. If you want to find that article, it's on Rugby Pass somewhere, or you can find it on Twitter, and it's been relatively well received so far. Uh, The problem, okay, so the injustices when 
Samoa play England are obvious, aren't they? You know, the Samoan players get something five hundred quid a game. The England players are getting twenty thousand. You've got this enormous stadium full of people uh, in Twickenham, which generates X number of millions every time it time, time it opens. Um, rugby is a very wealthy sport here; it's not there. Uh, but I do not, I do not think that equal distribution of match fees, even though it's a moral imperative that we do something, is going to solve it. Yeah. Now. The other problem that I have... I wasn't saying solve it. I yeah, wasn't yeah. saying equal, by the way. I was just saying it would have to be centralised because the point you made is that if you just gave more money to uh, the uh, Samoan, Tongan, yeah. Fijian union, that wouldn't make it to the players and, yeah. it wouldn't, and it wouldn't make it to the game. But the problem... So the problem is not the money, okay? The, because they have no money. The, the unions have... Well, they do have money. They get it on a transactional basis from World Rugby. So if they spend it, they get it from World Rugby. What World Rugby do not do is they don't just give them give them money and people see that as patronizing and, and whatnot but when you realize how the unions have been run um you then start to understand that well that's why they don't do it because you know in the past there have been some um uh, spending indiscretions shall, shall shall we say the real problem that i have is that there are people in charge of the pacific island unions and they do it not because they're going to get rich off it but because of the amount of power it can leverage politically on uh, politically on those islands so my in my mind i want the pacific island players to get paid as much as they possibly can and that's going to come through the clubs paying them for their natural talents i want as few barriers to them getting paid as possible now if we empower the union without any kind of reform to be handing out international caps to Samoa to Samoan players or worst I mean the one which really breaks my heart is the thought that we empower these unions to keep players on the island to cap them and that and then and then let them let let them let them go and play because I don't want people like Francis Kane or the people who run these unions having influence over the players. I, I don't I, I don't think it's fair. And by giving them a system where they can cap these cap these players for good money or keep them on, on, on the islands, it limits their opportunity, it limits their earning it, it limits their earning potential, limits all these things. And I really don't want that. I, I, I think there has to be significant reform before any of that happens yeah and I guess does that make sense yeah no it, it does I, I, and I think it, in summary it's it's easy to watch that documentary to see the, uh, the disparities in the money and say it's not fair just take some of that and put it there but it is never that simple and in this no. case it's absolutely not that I, simple I mean, I mean Brett Gosper says in that, 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 that documentary the nations need to cap the players before they go away nonsense because the romantic idea is that a uh, you know Manu Tuolangi, uh, who you know, basically grew up in in the UK um, anyway, plays plays for Samoa. But in order to play for Samoa, according to Brett Gosper, he's got to stay on Samoa to get capped first. But that you know that means can he not have his education? Can he not have his coaching at Leicester? Can he not go make his current friends, family? Um, sorry. Um, have his fr- uh, friends and family over in, in Leicester. What costs are there to a young, talented player who could get a free education and, and everything else in, um, in in the UK? Because or, or in Auckland, let's say, which, is, in more, Auckland, which yeah. is more, which is a lot of them do. 
and I, I, you know, I'm only thinking. I'm thinking about this from an individual point of view. If I had that talent and all of these options open to me, I don't want a guy like Francis Kane saying, "No, you've got to stay here until you're 21, so we can get get you a cap. So therefore, we control your international registration." Because as as we Absolutely know, because you're at, and do you know what? That's a great point. Sorry, I, I appreciate Phil. You haven't watched it, and um, but do chip in anyway. But I, I think that's a really good point because the number of people that um, also talk about. We need to look after players because one, they're only one injury away from yeah. retirement. And the same thing goes. So therefore, the, these these Samoan, Fijian, Tongan kids, because of their natural talent, have an opportunity to go and get an incredible, uh, incredible education, which will last their lifetime. Exactly. And, and could um, be so valuable to their family at home, their whole community ha- at home whilst not uh, rugby players. So that, that, that's a really good point. Anyway, documentary's great. JB's article is uh, thought-provoking and you should go and do both. Yeah, I probably haven't explained yeah. it well on this podcast, but that's why I wrote it down because it's much easier to write things down. <laughs> it's a very complex yeah. issue. Yeah, and I, I thought, even though I've not watched the documentary, I do have um, a little understanding of the history behind this. And, and indeed, I've listened to your interview with Dan Leo, JB, and other of his work. Um, I thought your article was brilliant. I thought it was really thought-provoking, really well-researched and really well-written. I think it's the best thing you've written, in fact. So I, I would um, highly encourage everyone to go and read it. Mm. Um, and there was something in there for everyone, even the people that want to be upset. There was something in there for them as well. Well, to be, to be honest, I've not definitely anyone who's upset. Um, not anyone that matters, at least. Uh, no, I, no one that matters was. No, I, I mean, that's not to say that I discount... I mean, if there's someone who thinks there's something wrong with it, by all, I, I'd love you to get in touch, because I think it's... Uh, I've tried to be as honest about it as possible. Um, but no, I, the, the response from it has been phenomenal so far. Yeah. Um, so, one one question, JB. Yes. Did you, did you write the headline, or was that picked by others? Because the headline seems a bit provocative and not necessarily that's what headlines do that's what headlines do. I, no I don't get to write the headline no. uh, yeah people... I suspect because the headline which which, if you want to find the article uh, the headline is professional rugby is poison to the Pacific Islands and that does seem a little bit misleading having read the entirety of the article yeah the poison bit refers to the money because the money is poison. Uh, yeah, th- that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, you do talk yeah. about it being uh, having the same effect of whilst great in and of itself, it has the effect of uh, like uh, um, fertilizer polluting the polluting the land adjacent. Yeah, exactly, 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 right. exactly the same thing. Exactly right. I mean, you just got to think about, it, haven't you? In terms of, imagine if there was an industry that arrived in the UK, which could account for. A vast, vast swathe of our population generate and generate twenty percent of of our GDP, and if we manage to be successful in it, we're doing somewhere like fifty to sixty times the average salary. Well, can I just point you out to cronyism and lobbyists in in Washington DC? It's, it's an it's po- so the pharmaceutical industry is poison to America. Whilst it also solves some incredible things, yeah. it, it it causes like um, no the, the military um, the industrial military complex is poison. Yeah, I mean there's and that's exactly what rugby has done to the Pacific Islands because it's so it's so attractive. There's such a such a such a pull to it, and that's what I try to try to explain. Yeah. But I th- <laughs> um, one one individual amazingly said, "Am I trying to say that Pacific Island players should pay for?" Should be traded. I, I can't remember what it was. Should they be traded for? Oh no! Should, should they be responsible for paying for their own international team? I was like, no, that is exactly not what not what I said. <laughs> um, there is a there, just 
on the remedies fist though um i i could not see for the life of me now why we cannot have players that play for at least two nations i mean that is the most egregious at thing. least yeah at least it's a pr- so if i've come to the conclusion that professional sport and international sport can't really mix it is absurd to think that you can only play for one team as a professional i mean look i'm welsh right I don't really care about Wales. I don't really care about England. I would play for whoever paid me the most. That's not the same for everyone. And you have the option to go to one or the other. But like, I, I interviewed Gary Graham this week. Obviously, he went to um, England and then he went to and ended up playing for Scotland. But that's going to make a substantial difference to uh, to him. And as a professional, you should have more, more, like multiple options. I think it's ridiculous that... Ridiculous. I, that, I don't you know? understand. What's the point? Yeah, like, you, I don't. I don't get it. What's your point? Where does club rugby finish and international rugby start? Then I think the only way to get around this international problem is to take the money, uh, the match fees away completely from international sport. It should be amateur, or we have to make sure that there's more opportunities to earn for more people, or that international sport have a consistent match fee right across it. As in international rugby, you get whatever it is. Yeah, but if you're a good enough, ten thousand right? pounds, whoever you play for. But just on a moral, just on a moral level, right? Just forget you're playing for nations. Imagine that they're teams, normal teams. If you're good enough to play for one of those teams, you should be able to play for that team. Well, right? Simi Randrandra, that's and Charles Piertau are rumored to be on a million pounds each as yeah, marquee yeah. players at Bristol Bears, which be, is be, on, on merit. More power to them, right? Yeah, right. Um, but. If you know, there's another set of teams which pay you up to twenty thousand pounds per game, um, and you know, say if you are the third best fly half in England, like uh, you know, a Danny Cipriani type, I think you should be able to play for more or less whoever you're qualified for. Yeah, so I, 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 so in my mind, you're basically just describing the the club game. I there am. is a there is a um, a definite and required. Um, standard for international games that would pr- prohibit that. And in, in my mind, it's more like the way I think of international games and the um, the selection rules is more like, say, boxing weight categories. Uh, as in, like, you can't... There are reasons why you can't... Or, or even men, male sport and women's sport. Mm. Like... Danny Cipriani could go and be the best woman's um, fly half in the world, but there are reasons why we prevent that in the same way there are reasons why we prevent, uh, say, Dwayne Vermarlin, who's got um, 60 Springbok caps, when he's not quite as good, good enough for them, going and playing for Italy or Georgia or Japan. It's, it's the same thing. It's and it should be. You should think about it in a totally different way to how you're thinking. I about can't. Club, as, club as, as long as there's money involved, I can't. But what what you would inadvertently do, though, JB, if your way was to play out, is you would kill the very thing which you're saying players should go and be able to do as best they can. No one would be interested anymore. Um, as in the spectacle. Yeah. Yeah. No one would care anymore. Well, look. I mean, I don't think Owen Farrell, for instance, is going to. And one day wake up and not be good enough for England and then go to whoever else he's qualified for, if indeed he is qualified for anyone else, I don't know. But I think in a, in terms of the Pacific Island nations, you know, I, there is no reason why someone like Charles Piatow, with his two caps for New Zealand, can't go and play for Tonga again. That's a very different argument, yeah. which I have a lot of, sim- which yeah. I have, I have a lot of sympathy for. And 
and yeah. I, I actually have far, 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 by a factor of a huge number, way more sympathy with that. I would far rather see Charles Piertel playing for his homeland of Tonga than I would to see James Lowe playing for Ireland. Uh, so... I don't care. Uh, I, I think he, he, James Lowe deserves to make a living. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not getting into that, yeah. argu- uh, into yeah. that argument. I'm saying I would prefer. Like I would before. Uh, the the draw of the Irish match fee to me where, is far more appealing than the draw of the national. Show. Yeah, where three year project players exist, it's ludicrous that Charles Piertel can't play for Tonga. That's my point. Uh, yeah. yeah, completely, completely I, stupid. I, I, and I'm 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 with that as well. I I would. So I, I, while I'm not the same as UJB, where I would not, I would have uh, criteria and rules in place. I would allow players like Charles Piatau or Nairavoro is a good one, who've got relatively few caps for a major nation, and then transition to a lower tier nation. Yeah, but I, like, I think that that should be, yeah. that's absolutely fine. And you know, it doesn't just stop at the, it doesn't just stop at the like the Pacific Island nations. There's a handful of guys over in France, I imagine, that could qualify for Spain. Um, maybe uh, pro- probably Germany, um, and I, maybe maybe a few for Georgia as well. Yeah, so there there are loads of examples of these lads. There's you know we need to definitely get our head around that. The other thing that we need to do is the the way the touring works is unacceptable. Which is the if you tour a country, your host country pays at least for part of your tour. That should all be paid into a central pot. So then you can tour wherever you want and then well, money doesn't... Well, if you it. were doing that, then why not match fees and in a centralised fashion? I'm totally yeah, with I Phil do. on that. And also, it's a lot of the problems which were identified in Oceans Apart, the documentary, and which you sort of touched upon in your in your article, JB, all get just taken out of... They're, they're removed. Yeah, the match... From, from the equation. I'm definitely up for the match fees. I, I don't... I, I just wonder if you had... If you averaged out the match fee across all of the nations, what would that what, what would it be? Would it be 5,000? Would it be 6,000? Would it be 1,000? I don't know. And if it was, say, £1,000 for the match fee, and again, I don't know what that figure is, it'd be very interesting to average it out and find out because that'll give us some really good answers. Will we then see more players like Carl Heyman who gave up on international rugby to go and play in France? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's no such thing as a free lunch. So yeah. the high value of the England match fee has got more to do with keeping players in the pl- in the Premiership than mm. it has playing 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 for England. Mm. Uh, and that's why I you know, I don't like international rugby and professional rugby mixing as it does. I, I appreciate it has to happen. I love the spectacle, but when you really think about it, it is not fair that if you're a super talented athlete, but you happen to be in the you know around at the wrong time that you're missing out on potentially millions of pounds worth of earnings you're still a professional and you're still bloody good at what you do it doesn't matter about but, your nationality but if if you if you don't play international you're more valuable to the clubs so Pietau yeah. would not be worth were he seeking to play for the All Blacks he would not be getting anywhere near what he's currently getting paid true on the other hand Sam Simmons isn't getting paid 20 grand a game extra for playing for Exeter is he? And uh, you know, I've I've just basically departed from the uh, South Sea Islander argument into you know, well, what does it mean for every for everyone else? Because I think they all deserve to make as much money as yeah, they and, and I'm sure in years to come down the line, we'll we'll look back and go, oh, do you remember when you had to play in England to play for England? That that's that was stupid, wasn't it? What was going on there? Because I'm absolutely certain that all, that eventually it will come to a football model where if it's your your qualification for your national team is based on 
the criteria yeah, it, for qualifying for your national team. And it doesn't matter where the hell in the world you are. Yeah, the English thing is mad. I mean, you know, well, Ireland do it as well. Yeah, I mean, we, it, it's mad across the board. And, and New Zealand and Wales and yeah. I, but I don't think it's right. I don't think it's right. No, <laughs> that, no. That, that they say, look, you can only go and work for twelve employers because it works for the very top end guys, but it doesn't work for the guy in the middle who might get an England cap, might not. Do I move? Do I get a little bit more extra money in France? But you know, if I make it for England, you know, I get what. Half a million, sorry, um, £100,000 for a Six Nations. It shouldn't be, it sh- in an ideal world, it wouldn't be a choice because, you know, take, um, well, take anyone. Uh, Simon Zebo, for example, he grew up and he was he was never thinking about money when he was a kid playing rugby. He was only thinking about playing for Ireland, which he achieved and which some would argue he's still good enough to do because of family decisions and, uh, you know, the ticking clock of retirement he's forced into a position where he's got to make that choice and you can understand the choice. It's yeah. just a shame that that's the one that has to be made. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. The the last thing I'd like to say on this um, Ireland thing is anyone that just says, oh, it's it's exploitation and thinks it, that is the coverall which sorts everything out. That's probably one of the key reasons that this argument is still going on because you can't solve an issue as complex as this with one simple solution. So I have no... I have no doubt that on individual on an individual basis, exploitation is occurring. It, it it has to happen because it just does. In the same way, it has to happen to some young English lads who are underpaid, or some young South African lads that are underpaid. And actually, I think if we delve into South African game, we'll find a lot more exploitation than we will ever feel particularly comfortable with. But then to blame the whole thing on exploitation, uh, you know, having one simple solution really highlights the problem with the argument, which is why I say no one knows what they're talking about because it isn't that simple. Far, far from it. Mm. And your your article really highlighted that that this is a co- complex issue. Mm. Well worth it. Well done. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did as well, Jay. Well done. Thank, thank you, gents. Next week's games. Uh, Australia v Argentina, eight forty-five a.m. kickoff. Uh, as you've already identified, neither can win. I think. I reckon the shackles might be off on this one. We might see a really entertaining game. I'm hopeful. I think Australia will sneak it. So, yeah. Now I did notice that Argentina did rest a few players. They had a few key guys in, like Matera and Sanchez, but they rested a fair few others. So, um, Checo, Checo will badly want to win, won't he? Yeah. I'm. I think Argentina will make a much, much better showing in this game than they did um, this weekend against New Zealand. Albeit Australia, they had so many opportunities in that last game to win, and they just couldn't get over the line. So I think, give me Australia by five. Um, I think Australia were probably a lot better than Argentina last time, and they were quite luck- quite unlucky to come away with with a draw. That's sad. I mean, this is history making, isn't it? For it's four Ar- weeks on the bounce though Argentina. for Argentina and Australia, fresh mm. from a week's but, break. Yeah, but look, they've had a miserable time anyway. You know, they're not mm. going to get more miserable. Um, they've been <laughs> they've been away for her, from home for what? Uh, well, more than four what? weeks because they had to fly over there. They had a few warm up uh, games, a few you know, months. Yeah, I mean, whatever so, the negative stuff is, I'd hope that they were over it by by, by now. So I'm going to discount that and say they are going to look for one hell of a reaction from that All Blacks game. Come out firing. I actually think it's going to be an Australia win, but it's going to be one hell of a contest because Australia will feel aggrieved that they that, that they drew, and Argentina are going to feel absolutely furious that their good start has been undone by New Zealand. Australia by just, but it's going to be a cracker. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it will be a great game. Cool. And then on midday on Saturday is probably not happening. Georgia v Fiji. That would have been nice. That's the real shame of this this uh, Autumn Nations Cup. So well, it uh, might. I did see something that suggested it might happen. That would be really cool if it did. Where are they going to play I, it? Oh, Murrayfield. So yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. I've got some issues here. Some big issues actually. First of all, what on earth are we doing playing England versus France on Sunday? That is not a Sunday game in any yeah. way. It, it has to be the last game of the weekend. I'm on board with that. Well, why does it be seven o'clock then? Yeah, eight pm. No, no, I, I don't disagree. It's not a Sunday game. I mean, you know, if anything, the last place game should be the Sunday game. Um, as a punishment, I guess. You You're all... just gutted because sale get sales game kicks off thirty minutes into England France. Oh, it does, doesn't it? And so Georgia, Georgia, Fiji. Hopefully, that one will go ahead. Yeah. Why? Uh, why is Ireland Scotland before Wales Italy? Uh, possibly the time that they can play the game at. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who it's knows? a mystery. Yeah. Uh, who I, knows? Wales, Wales, Italy. Fine, Wales will win at home. Um, yeah, Ireland, Scotland. That's the that's a real tasty one. That on Saturday. Yeah, that's yeah. class, isn't it? I hope they both go fully loaded. I, I think they will. Um, I think Scotland will do them. You know, I'm. I don't know. Ireland, I don't think have been playing well at all. Um, they've they've struggled when they've had to try and break teams down. Um, and I think that that probably suits Scotland. Scotland can um, handle if Ireland try and use Route 1 and then maybe Scotland have got a little bit more insanity about them and can open yeah. things up later in the game perfect yes yeah. maybe Scotland uh, I, I'm yeah in these tight games like this as I think it will be I'm just going to go or be, I'm just going to go home although there's no crowd so if you were going to yeah. beat Ireland in Dublin I'm going I'm to hop aboard the uh, the Tartan, Ex- Tartan Army Express. I'm going for it. I'm going for a Scotland win because there's no crowd. They're going to sneak it. Yes. Come on, Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, I'll go for Scotland as well. Come on, Scotland. So we'll sort out last place, then we'll sort out second place, then obviously we'll go to third place. Um, hang on, that's not how it works, is it? No. So sort out uh, seventh place, z- then, th- uh, seventh, then sort out third, third place, then fifth, then fifth. Then first, of course. Of course, that makes much more. Now you put it like that, Phil. I feel even more stupid. <laughs> and on the Sunday, it's a two p.m. kickoff: England versus France. Um, Eddie Jones <laughs> has hinted that the shackles might come off a little bit. France, though, have named their twenty-three man squad or twenty-five man squad, and it's uh, not what you'd hope. No, for. it's not what I was hoping for. I, I, is, is this because there was a, an agreement between yeah. the French clubs and yeah. the FFR? Yeah. And they, you know, the French clubs didn't, and, and the FFR didn't come to an agreement where they said, "All right, well, why don't you miss the? Uh, why, why don't you just drop the players for the Georgia game?" Um, no. Oh, the, the we'll, Fiji game. It would have been wouldn't well, the Fiji it? game. Sorry, and we'll we'll drop it out of the final. So there. Yeah. That's so consequently, shame. England will win comfortably. I think. I think England will let the shackles off, let rip, and England will win by twelve. Put smiles on people's faces as uh, Eddie Jones keeps repeating. He does, yeah. <laughs> he loves that. He's using that as almost like a defence mechanism. Whatever he gets asked, he's, he just says, yeah, we just want to put smiles on people's faces. Don't, ask, don't ask me any more questions. 
Ah, good, good. Uh, everything's sorted. Right, well, let's watch these games and we'll get back to you next week then. Yeah, enjoy. enjoy oh, hang the- on. No, we have done it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the uh, rugby and, um, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just checking on our Twitter to check if there's any specific things that I haven't touched on that we should have done. Oh, do you know what? We can pick it up on the next pod if I have. Because uh, you need to hit subscribe in the channel because we're, we're so good to you. We bring you multiple podcasts uh, in any given week to make sure you get your fix of rugby every single week on them. Um, 52 weeks a year for the into seventh, seventh season now, making sure every Monday morning we always have something there. And we have that because, you know what, we, we don't only do it when a big corporate sponsor pays us to do it we do it because we absolutely love it uh, as much as you do so uh, hit subscribe that's all we do uh, all we ask of you at the moment just hit subscribe and tell your mates spread the word and uh, JB is at JBeardmore on Twitter you can find his Rugby Pass article through that in fact I'm at Cockard Phil don't worry about him he's lurking he, know, he knows where you are and we are at Rugby Podcast catch you on the next one let the boys play let the boys play Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.